I am Edwin K. Morse, President and Founder of Pioneer Knowledge Services, America's first knowledge management nonprofit. This program, Because You Need to Know, is part of our mission to educate and bring awareness around knowledge management. Sharon Myers is the Content Marketing Manager at Cutco, located in Olean, New York. She is also the owner of SMA Consulting Services, where she has worked with companies and nonprofit institutions in the areas of marketing, communications, branding, public relations, and fundraising. Sharon has served as the Director of Admissions Communications for St. Bonaventure University, as the Executive Director of Development and Marketing at Archbishop Walsh Academy and Southern Tier Catholic School, as the Executive Director of Marketing and Communications at Houghton College, and the Director of Communications at St. Joseph's Collegiate Institute. Prior to moving into the Olean area, she worked internationally as the Academic Director of the European School of Economics in Milan, Italy and as the Direct Marketing Executive for the Worldwide Fund for Nature in the United Kingdom. Sharon started her career in the arts at the Indianapolis Opera Company, interned at the Guthrie Theater, worked as the subscriptions manager for Jiva Theater, and started the Downstairs Cabaret Theater in Rochester, New York, with two colleagues. Sharon currently serves on the Board of Directors for the Cattaraugus Region Community Foundation and on the Alumni Board of Trustees for Butler University. She is a member of the Public Relations Society of America, Leadership Cattaraugus Class of 2013, and a graduate of the LaSallean Leadership Institute. She received her bachelor's degree in Arts Administration, Voice Principal, from Butler University, and her MBA in International Management, from the University of London. So what really is the challenge of nonprofit organizations today? I think there's a number of challenges, but me, the primary one that I see is that collaboration uh, internally as well as externally. You know, you have nonprofits of various sizes, small to large, and depending on how clear the mission and vision are for those nonprofits, making sure that everyone is in line with that and sharing the knowledge they bring to the organization so that they're all rowing in the same direction can be a challenge. So can you give me a scope of what you're saying, your, your, what you mean by the, the word collaboration? Where, what are you saying when you say that? I think, with, again, with, with nonprofits, typically there is an executive director and your executive board, if you want to put it that way, that have a very clear sense of where they want the the organization to move. Mm -hmm. And then you have a number of people within the organization that are working to get there. But the communication and collaboration between those groups isn't always present in a way that helps everyone understand this is what we need to be doing. This is how we can get there. And taking advantage, I think, of the strengths of, of your people that are around you beyond what their job description says, if that makes sense. So, so um, it's, it's more than just a strategic plan, is what yeah. you, right? So yeah. do you have any example of where the, you've seen that succeed or someone has done it better? Um, <laughs> you know, it's difficult, it's difficult to see because mm -hmm. I think it's difficult to do. I think people get put into their, their boxes. Mm -hmm. You know, this is my job, this is what I do, and mm -hmm. stepping out of that can be difficult and for an organization to recognize that this person has these skill sets that while not necessarily in their job can assist the organization. Right. I would say 
you know, one one nonprofit. It's the the Cattaraugus Region Community Foundation. It's a small operation, but it serves all of Cattaraugus County. Mm. They have to be collaborative by the very nature of who they are. And while there's an executive director, she is constantly out in the community mm. asking for input, getting people on her board that brings skill sets that they may not have in the office or can strengthen what they already have. Okay. And it's putting puzzle pieces together, if that makes sense. Well, that and that, that really just gets down to the essence of what leadership is, right? Absolutely. You know, you, you talk about this concept of, of management leadership mm-hmm. or management versus leadership. And I think you need an element of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be able to manage people and keep the organization moving and fiscally sound um, and true to the mission. But leadership is that, I don't want to say necessarily all inspirational, but it's allowing people to grow. Leadership is allowing people to, you know, to see their true potential and not always be so predetermined, you're this, so you will do that. Well, the, um, in your scenario there where, where, where there's a good example of what great leadership is bringing to the organization in the strategic to the tactical mix, how does an organization step aside from individual or uh, characteristic or, you know, that, that good character that uh, someone brings to an organization because so, eventually that person's going to leave that organization. So how does the organization prevent that uh, vacuum that happens when that good leader leaves? <laughs> yeah, well, that, that I think is a challenge. Um, I don't know that many people have figured out. It's, it's that thinking of, okay, what, who's the next person? Well, How are uh, we grooming it's, the people? It's, it's, it's knowledge management. That's, 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 <laughs> it's that's, knowledge management. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so you think knowledge management would help? Oh, I see. <laughs> oh, I do. No, no, it, it's absolutely that. It, you know, look, the reality is in, in positions that I've held, I bring a certain expertise, Mm -hmm. but if I don't share that with others, if other people aren't learning from myself and I'm not learning from them, what happens when that person leaves is a huge void. So, you know, you have a responsibility, I think, as an organization to ensure that I, (laughs) I talk about literally at some points plugging in a USB to someone's brain and downloading Mm -hmm. that information. Sure. Sure. It is what, you know, that's exactly what you want to happen. Um, and especially when it's an organization that has had someone who's been the head, the, the leader for a number of years. Yeah. They know the ins and outs. They've worked in the community. They know what makes the organization tick. They have, you know, they, they have the pulse of the organization. They walk out. If that organization doesn't succeed, then knowledge management hasn't happened. Yeah. And that, and that collaboration hasn't happened because it should not be only one person who well, has right. that ability. I mean, in, in that scenario, I mean, the, the collaboration w- might have happened, but it dies on the vine when the personality walks out the door. And how many nonprofits you know, are, do you know that the face of the organization is that executive director? No and when they, if they leave, they retire, mm-hmm. you've probably seen yourself organizations that do just dry up. The vision's not there. The leadership's not there. The sharing of knowledge hasn't been there. They don't know what to do. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a cultural issue, uh, because that, it, right. So the leader that can, can take that organization far and fast, the personality driven 
it really just evaporates once that vacancy happens. And if the organization has not constructed a, a methodology, a cultural approach to their people, processes, and technology in combination in, in this enterprise mentality, uh, it suffers. It, it will definitely not do well. It'll, fault. It'll, it'll hit that dry patch for a while until they get somebody else that can fit that well- I agree. I think, and I think the difficulty, I think the difficulty with this as well is that organizations, especially if they're a smaller nonprofit, are simply they're they're surviving, right? Mm-hmm. They're putting out the next fire. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, you know, heads down, nose to the grindstone, figuring out, okay, how do we how do we stay? How do we stay focused? How do we stay sustainable, for that matter? So very little thought and or time is given to that that more global view of how are we going to exist five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years now, and when whomever leaves, how do we fill that void? Because, well, we don't have time. We don't have time to be thinking of that. We, we've got to get today done. And that, that, that's a challenge. That's, that's a challenge to try Huge. to get injected into that mentality of survival, anything that thrives uh, beyond the week, end of the week or end of the month or end of the quarter. And, and, you know, there is no perfect solution. Every nonprofit is different. But what I say when I work with a lot of nonprofits is you can't afford not to do this. You can't afford to look beyond, you know, especially in the fundraising realm, okay, we've raised this money, now now move on. And it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, wait a minute, what happens when this dries up? Because Mm -hmm. it always does. Mm So how are you being sustainable? How are you, and that doesn't just mean financially, it means from the capabilities and knowledge that are contained within that organization. And to your point, people feel, you know, people I think succeed in their roles when they're constantly challenged, and I don't mean that as a negative term, but they're constantly Mm -hmm. challenged to do better, to learn more, you know, that the job description isn't this static piece of paper, that that's what they come in and do every day, that it's something that ebbs and flows, and as they realize that this person has a gift for whatever the, the area may be, hmm, that might be a better use of their time. Let's see if we can, you know, manage things around, mm-hmm. and then, you know, that knowledge is being shared, and whomever the executive director is leading that. You know, and saying, "Look, spend some time here. Let's let let's look at this." I mean, um, ideally, in some organizations, that would fall squarely on HR, right? HR would be what? the one to continually update uh, skill sets and interests and passions. You know, to try to keep that uh, viable and and relevant. And I would I would agree with that, except then I would have the proviso of how many nonprofits do you know that have a strong HR department? Sure. It's <laughs> yeah. and I, it's not that's not a that's not a hit against HR. Oh, right. You, they're in a similar situation where they're trying to look for the best people for the job, and yes, that management of people and looking at skill sets and and constantly understanding what challenges people are. You happy? You know, what do you think you want to do next? And mm-hmm. that grooming that happens again. You're back to time. Talk about functions in an organization such as leadership or the. Uh, the 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 command table or the the, the you know the the head chiefs of the organization like HR uh, IT uh, the CFO the the COO you know organizational leaders that are tasked kind of task masters in their domain we haven't really spoke to the role of where the uh, board of directors mm. draw where where do they fit 
in this responsibility? You know, to me, there's, there's many different types of board of directors. There's a working board. You know, there's an advisory board. There's a management board. How I've always looked at board of directors is that they should be bringing skill sets to the table that can assist the organization. They can serve as roles of mentors, you know, depending on the fields from which they come. I think they have a responsibility to look at the organization and the people that they have and say, okay, if we lose this person, we're going to have this huge void. How do we ensure that that person is working with those around them to ensure the knowledge is being passed? Mm-hmm. And that happens a lot within nonprofits that don't have the luxury of a HR department per se. I know many nonprofits where the HR department is served by the role of the board. So, you know, the board, I think it depends on, on how the board is structured and, and what their exact role is, working yeah, board gets, management. it gets down to that bylaws of the corporation, right? Of it their, really does. What their and legal you, you, duty is. Exactly. And you have boards, you have boards who, who function extremely well. They see their role and understand that they're, they are there to, you know, add expertise to further network out into the community to help advance the mission of the nonprofit. You also have some boards where board members look at it as their responsibility to be in the day-to-day of the nonprofit. And that's not always the greatest thing to happen because the day-to-day is very different from sure. that 30,000-foot view. And I, from my experience, I think uh, that's where the, the challenge gets in because some, some board members like to get their fingers dirty and, uh, mm-hmm. and sometimes that's not really their expectation or role. So that's really on the front end of the uh, recruitment of a board uh, member to make sure they're clear on where their left and right limits are. When I've served on boards, first question I ask is, what do you want from me? And I, <laughs> well, that sounds, and I don't, sounds very simple. Yeah. Well, no, it, but it's, it's, it's a very open-ended question. And, yes, there's a financial component that I know happens. So, mm-hmm. yes, what do you want from me? A check. Okay. But what do you want from me? What do you want my role to be? You know, how can I best help or serve you? And if it's a case of, well, you know, we want you to um, assist our, our marketing person and come up with the strategy and direct them. Well, you know, is that the best role for a board member? Sure. Right. And do I have the time for that? So I think it's up to the people who are out there serving on boards to ask those questions as well. And, and, and plus, state by state, they have certain legal requirements yep. anyway, just by their own corporate structure. So uh, absolutely, it's, it's definitely a different animal uh, as it goes from state to state. Um, so, uh, we've kind of talked about organizational challenges in the nonprofit realm, uh, and some, some organizational leadership, uh, challenges, but a lot of this that around the collaboration, communications, knowledge sharing, knowledge building, uh, looking at knowledge as an asset for an organization. These are all things that I, I kind of deal with, uh, by trade and expertise. I would like to ask, do you, could you define what knowledge management is to you from just your 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 viewpoint i think knowledge for me personally knowledge management has two components i think the first component for me is the sharing of the the, the basic function of sharing physical information by that i mean you know it could be through database it could be through files it could be you know through face to face yeah Face-to-face, but it's, yeah, conversation, but I'm talking more that physical, you know, these are files, this is where I can find information, everything is there, Mm -hmm. that people have access to that, 
okay? Like like the recording, this recording of our conversation. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. IT is part of that. Database is part of that. Um, That's where some of the cloud-based applications come in that can assist with that. The other part of knowledge management to me is is the more personal nature of it, and I think it's the harder thing Mm -hmm. to, to define and for organizations to get their heads around is the, the knowledge that's shared from individual to individual. And I go back to my analogy of, you know, putting the USB into someone's brain and downloading what's in there so that others know what they know. Well, hopefully with some filters of some sort. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well sometimes the filters make it more, more interesting. <laughs> you don't need to know everything. That's well, true. you know, you know <laughs> I, right. So that, that internal knowledge, the, but sometimes people don't know what they know. Well, and, that, and isn't that the hardest part of this? Because I think there's an intuitive, well, just doesn't everyone know this? Mm-hmm. Doesn't, you know, there's this assumption because it's so intuitive to them. Yeah, it's, and it's so intuitive. And, and <laughs> so when intu- it gets to that greasy little thing you can't grab like that, that's kind of an enigma, it's hard for someone to explain something to someone when they don't really understand it internally themselves. They just know it, right? Exactly. So how do you express that? It, it kind of gets to the point, and I know you've worked in the education industry for some time, and so my, my, the only thing that's popping up right now for me is like the role of the instructional designer. The role of the instructional designer is to help that facilitate the knowledge transfer of what's important, at least for the course, or what's been defined as important, from the sources in order to help that instructor get that information to adhere the best to the audience. To me, what your examples you're giving in the knowledge management, the thing that's kind of that sticks out is that where's the curator? Where is the where's that instructional designer that helps say, you know what, we really don't need to know how you learned how to tie your shoes, but uh, you know other things may be more important. So somebody that can kind of do that sixty minutes kind of dive into the content and derive what's important through the lens of what's important to the organization. That seems to be a huge challenge. Huge. <laughs> and a void. And, and a who void. is that person? Yeah, well. um, and I think it takes a special skill set to be able to, to, to move through the weeds, as it were, and define right. um, and understand what's important and, yes, how to curate all that knowledge. So, so um, with that void, with that perspective or, or prospective mentality of, of building a knowledge set uh, continually – because what I've seen is that a lot of organizations will wait till somebody says, oh, they're retiring or they're getting ready to check out of an organization. And somebody says, oh, we need to do a, uh, a quick uh, you know, conversation. We need to capture their golden nuggets before they walk out the door. That is such a poorly designed concept because you'll never get what should have been gotten over the years that person that was in the organization at that last minute ditch effort. You know, it's just the value is just not intrinsic at all. So the challenge is, is to have that architect, that uh, that curator, build into the processes and the the elements of the organization to where it doesn't become a exit survey. It does not wait until the end. It becomes part of the process throughout. So those people are always sharing. They're always building that knowledge asset as part of their daily routine. It's not an extra duty. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, again, and I, from my experience, I don't know a number of organizations that have done that. 
<laughs> and I'm still trying to figure out the how you do that. But the ex, your example of an exit interview is is exactly on in the sense that how many times if you've left an organization, you know, well, what would you like to share? Well, as I'm walking out the door, that's kind of hard to do. <laughs> exactly. Your mind space is just in a little different uh, uh, motion know, at that let, point. It's like, yeah. Let me think about what you need to know. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to impart that in a 30-minute right. interview potentially right. with HR. You know, if there is, if there can become a mindset within organizations that, and I think here's, for me, the difficulty is that sometimes people see that as threatening. Well, this is stuff I know. I don't want someone else. They don't um, want to lose their power seat, right? They don't want right. to lose their they value. Don't, they don't want to lose the power seat. And, and if I share that, then they know it too, and they might do it better. Or they might, you know, so I think as human beings, you can understand where that comes from, mm -hmm. that innate fear. Mm -hmm. But we become that much more powerful and I think um, helpful to an organization when we let those barriers down and there's say. A, there, there's an old adage that says knowledge shared is knowledge squared. Exactly. But then why, you know, why, why is, is are we so fearful as well, human beings to so do I, that? I, I think as I, in this leadership role of a knowledge management and then that view, uh, I see where there's an industrial mindset of the, of the old culture of that that proved fruitful, you know, I'm going to, you know, not going to share how I did this because it'll, I'll, they can't get rid of me versus now where you've got people that are averaging two to four years in an organization for employment and they don't care about long-term because something better will come up. There's such flexibility now that that role of uh, that mentality, I think is definitely an age characteristic uh, or a, a mindset that comes from a certain age versus others um, because the knowledge economy has to have participation in order for an organization to capitalize from that exchange. But if they don't, if they don't have a purposeful and designed way for the organization to uh, elicit that knowledge and continue to grow and continue to curate and 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 that that doesn't mean curate just for curation's sake. We want to see how many terabytes we can fill up today. No, it's it's more than that. It's more. It's a purposeful, you know, because you have to delete as much stuff as you save. You know, you just can't Absolutely. save everything. You don't want to save everything to what's important to the organization as a knowledge asset. As you were talking, I was thinking of this example because I think this this curation of knowledge, but knowledge sharing doesn't just happen internally. It can happen externally, mm -hmm. you know, from organization to organization. Mm -hmm. And as you were talking, it brought to mind an example. You know, my alma mater, Belt University in Indianapolis, Indiana, they have, there's a gentleman there who has done an amazing job with their live mascot program. And you go, okay, really? Live mascot program? <laughs> <laughs> the dog, okay? Right. But my point is what he's done is has been able to translate that into an emotional connection from a marketing perspective. Not only has it incredibly helped their admissions function, it's helped the connection with alumni, it's helped the connection with the community, understand who the university is. And it's, it's been a brilliant job. It's taken years for him to do this. You know, it's not an overnight thing. What amazes me is if you call him, and many universities have, I have called him and said, how do you do this? He will tell you exactly how to yeah. do it. Yeah. He'll give you the blueprint and say, yeah. you know what? What I'm doing is not anything rocket science or spectacular. Here's the blueprint of what we do, but what he always has the proviso is that this is how we do it at Butler. If you take this and exactly do it for your organization, it's not going to work because right. you have to figure out 
the why. You know, where right? your so mission why, is. Why is it important? Why? why? Right. right. And so how can you then take what, you know, what I'm doing for my organization, translate it for your organization, have equal success but in a different way? And I don't know of many organizations that are willing to give up, you know, that, that golden nugget, so to speak. Sure. But in, in, in this case, here's the perfect example. He actually came down here to Olean and presented to a, a number of nonprofits and literally mm. mapped out, this is mm. how we do it. This is what we do. And you sat there and you're like, okay, right. <laughs> you know, he's, he's giving us this information, but he's very clear in saying, this is how it works for us. It's going to be different for you. You and have I to apply it to you. And I think there's enough folks around that give good example of what knowledge sharing is about truly in that fashion where where success is is not a hidden thing of how, you know, it's not proprietary. It's just this is it's easy to follow. Here's the process, zip, boom, bang. And I think in this era of knowledge sharing instantaneously with all the social platforms, YouTube, right. how to, all these different ways you can just share how to do things, things have gotten to the point where uh, it's almost best to be a generalist to some degree because it's just all about figuring out where do I find a resource to do X right now because I need it right now. Uh, yeah, that's very cool. That's a great example of uh, knowledge leadership, right, to be able to be that right. person. And it's probably not pride or ego that drives him. He just likes to share. Well, yeah, and, and the fact that he wants others to succeed you know, doesn't see it as a as a competition per se, wants others to succeed. And, hey, if you can figure this out and it helps you, great. Well, you brought up a good point, the competition, right? So that's that industrial yeah. mindset where there's limit, yeah. limited resources and I got to fight for mine and all that sort of thing. In this knowledge economy where, you know, it's almost a, the mentality shifts to the opposite where everything's available, everything's possible, there's plenty for everyone. Exactly. And I, and I think, you know, what we have seen or what I have seen in nonprofits especially, is a little bit of fear mm. of sharing mm -hmm. sometimes with other nonprofits, especially ones that are closely aligned mission-wise. And I sort of look at that and go, but you're so much powerful, more powerful when you do share. You have so much more potential. You can leverage each other's strengths. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And especially when you're looking at the missions of what these organizations are trying to accomplish in their communities, Imagine if you collaborate, if you knowledge share, if you combine, you've got so much more potential and power to be able to make a difference. Right. And then it, it really, you're exactly on the spot where I, my mentality is, is because then that one individual 501c3 or that one health and human services function that where they serve a population of X now expands across a larger enterprise if they can look at it that big and say, you know what, if we combine with these folks in this zip code and these folks in this zip code, we now can kind of co-mingle resources in order to bring in more resources for a bigger audience. Exactly. How tough is exactly. that? Why is that so tough? You know, I, I get it. You Let's, know, do it. Let's do it tomorrow. What? I know. And, and I think the reason, or at least what I have, you know, in my own world put my finger on is that I think, you know, especially within the nonprofit world, these missions are so near and dear to these organizations that everything's they, personal, right? It's right. all personal they feel space, that, personal ownership, yeah. and oh, geez, yeah. 
Right. And and they feel that if if we do that, we're we're going to lose who we are. Sure. And and I make the argument. I'm like, no, you're going to be so much more and serve so many more people, which is what the nonprofit, the mission is supposed to be about. Depending on you know what your mission is, but the, you nailed it. The you know that personal part, getting over that. It it takes someone who can be able to look at the bigger picture and say, this will help the organization. Well, it, These will help what we're trying to accomplish. That personal thing is where the tactical fits in. I was just thinking that, you know, so when you have ownership, uh, uh, pride of ownership and it's personal is where you spend most of your day in the tactical mindset because you're dealing with all the fires. You're dealing with all the stuff. You're, you're personally involved with everything. But here's the balance point is where you've got a good board that's strategic that is not personally tied to things on a day-to-day. They can bring that long-term vision and say, you know what, we should be working with these folks over here in this area. What would you want to leave the room with? What last thought would you want to resonate in people's heads as you walk out the door on this topic today? I would say don't let your personal fear getting get in the way of sharing, collaborating, working together towards that common goal. I think as humans, it's innate to have that fear that if I, if I give too much of what I know, I might be out of a job or I might be, and it's, it's putting that aside, I think, and recognizing that you're actually stronger as an individual, as a group, as an organization, when you have that capability to check those egos at the door, check that fear at the door, and have those conversations. When you, when you were just detailing that, the thing that came up that we haven't talked about, we've talked about this fear-based uh, mentality of holdback. It's also, I, I just thought we haven't talked about it at all, was that uh, it just seemed self-evident after you said your last statement here is that I wonder how much that fear is based on judgment. They're afraid they're going to get judged yeah. as incorrect or, or, you know, that's not the way you should do it or, you know, scrutinized. Right. And it still comes that human element. <laughs> Life is so much easier if we don't have the human <laughs> element. <laughs> Uh, live, in a, <laughs> live in a cave, don't talk to anybody, have a pet rock. Yes. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's kind of ironic, isn't it? Um, but the human element is what brings the passion. It's what brings the innovation. It's what brings those ideas. I think as a society, I think we're getting better at, at, at that realizing, putting the fear at the door and the judgment part of it and saying, you know what, though? I believe enough of it. I believe in in this enough that I feel it's important to to put out there and have those conversations. But mm-hmm. that comes back to what we started. I think the conversation with was leadership. Yeah. It's having those leaders, and not just the executive direct director, but the different leaders throughout the organization, nurturing that environment, mm-hmm. treating the culture like a culture. Yeah, and if, if that can happen, if, if if that's in fact what the leader does as their sole entity they've succeeded. Mm-hmm. You know, if they can create that culture and that environment where, where this can happen and those discussions can happen, think of how much stronger they're going to be at the end of the day. And when people do walk out the door, you're not losing information. You're not losing a part of the organization because the others have been a part of it from the get-go. I like it. I think we should do that. <laughs> well, I th- think so too. Well, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This program, Because You Need to Know, brings people and their knowledge forward to be shared. 
I am Edwin K. Morris, and I thank you for joining in to listen to another conversation brought to you as a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services, a nonprofit, tax exempt organization with a charitable purpose. Help us provide knowledge work at www.pioneer-ks.org.